0: good morning saints of our lord and welcome to thy strong word i'm your host brady finner pastor of messiah lutheran church in sartell minnesota thank you for tuning us in this morning on worldwide kfuo christ for you anytime anywhere today is monday may 31st and a blessed memorial day to everybody and also as christians the pentecost season as the holy spirit we know is with us Pointing us to Christ and also today as we look to the Holy Spirit, it will be with us as we look to the gift of the inspired and true word of God and the word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ. And as Luther put it, when you read the Old Testament, you put on your Christ goggles in 2 Kings chapter 1. It seems to be pretty much the same story as 1 Kings. Northern Kingdom's unfaithful, God uses his people, Judah is slightly better than others, and then Elijah arrives and intervenes for help. Some believe, some don't, but the Lord has all the authority. Stay, attuned, stay tuned as we begin this new book, because the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is graciously underwritten by our friends in the at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for more information visit lhfmissions.org for more information lhfmissions.org to help us be strengthened by God's word this morning we have the joy of having with us Pastor Matt Clark of Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri and he's also as many of you know the co-host of Wrestling with the Basics with Pastor John Lukomsky here on KFUO. Pastor Clark welcome to Thy Strong Word. Pastor Finnan, great to be on here with you. Thanks for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. Pastor, you are, well, I'll say it this way, kind of a mini celebrity here at KFUO. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the first time we've been together um, here on Advice on, on, uh, Wrong Word. Can you introduce yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Ascension? You bet I'd be happy
1: to. Um, first of all, I think it's Pastor Jolly John LeComsky. This is a celebrity of the, the Wrestling with <laughs> the Basics duo. Uh, that guy's been on the air forever. Um, and uh, what a pleasure to work with him and, and be on the air on Saturday mornings. Uh, but my day job <laughs> is uh, serving as pastor, Yeah, like you said, at Essential Lutheran Church in St. Louis. It's located in uh south city area um some of our listeners might be familiar with ted drew's frozen custard that's kind of the big landmark if you yeah. have visited st louis you might have stopped by there we're about six blocks from ted drew's uh oh. so uh that is that's a good thing uh a pleasure for me and my family uh, the rule is there we walk there to ted drew's to kind of counteract the, the calories we don't drive we walk um and it's a great place uh but yeah serving as at ascension um been there about seven years. Uh, before that, I served at uh, Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Waterloo, Illinois. Uh, that was my first call right out of seminary. Uh, that's where I did my field work experience. In fact, while at the seminary, that's sort of when you're a student and still learning and the ropes. Uh, so it was kind of neat to be called to the same church. Uh, but then, yeah, um, called to Ascension then after that. And uh, just a, a wonderful congregation. Uh, we were so blessed to be there. Um Couple unique things connected to the church. Uh, we are uh, in association with two other churches um, overseeing Word of Life Lutheran School. So we have uh, kindergarten through eighth grade on our campus, and then there's two preschool campuses and a, a pretty diverse school, as far as Lutheran schools go, at least. Uh, 10 different nationalities this year in our school. So uh, some ethnic diversity, which is exciting. Um, and, uh, just kind of a, a, richer education experience, I think for a lot of our students. And it's great to be reaching the nations uh, with mm-hmm. the gospel. Uh, and then the other thing that our, our church is involved with, it's sort of unique is we work with, uh, a. RSO, a recognized service organization of the Synod of the LCMS, called Christian Friends of New Americans, and so yeah. we work with uh, the immigrant and mostly refugee population in St. Louis, and especially uh, Nepalese folks, uh, people from Nepal, the Bhutan. Uh, we have a growing number of Nepali members at Ascension. We have about uh, 50 baptized members who are Nepali, so that's mm. that's super exciting too. And we have a, a one Nepali gentleman who's studying at the seminary now, and they're Ethnic Immigrant Institute of Theology program to become a uh, Lutheran Nepali pastor. He'd be one of the very first ones in the LCMS. So um, excited about that too, and and the Lord's work uh, here in South St. Louis.
0: Well, thank you for sharing. It's a it, it's, it's always a joy to hear of obviously the Holy Spirit working. We're in the Pentecost season, and it works obviously across uh, different uh, cultures and people, and sometimes just in our own backyards. So that is a, a lot of fun to hear, Pastor Clark. Now, Pastor Clark, you and I have known each other, actually, for, for quite a while. Uh, we first met each other in August of 1998 at Concordia, Nebraska.
1: <laughs> is that We're, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was thinking about this, and I wanted—I have to tell the story. So all of our listeners okay. today have to know this is going to be story time, so just give me, give me a little time. Is So in, in the summer of 1998, both uh, Pastor Clark and I went to Concordia, Nebraska, and we had a wow weekend where everyone gets together and you introduce <laughs> each other, you do all these things. And so one of the nights, they're like, we're going to go bowling. And Seward, Nebraska is where Concordia is. It's about 20, what, 25 minutes from Lincoln. Isn't that about yep. right? Somewhere yeah, right? yeah, just west of Lincoln. Yep. Yep. And west of Lincoln. and And so we... We are going to go bowling in Lincoln. It's like, okay, so we're getting into cars, and we're going left and right. And I remember it was kind of like, hey, you, come over here. I didn't know anybody in the car, and – so I ran over there, and there's there's five of us in this car, and we're going to drive to Lincoln. And And as of date, there's three of us who are pastors. One is a Lutheran school teacher, and one is just a, a good person, and he's driving. And so we're <laughs> driving to Lincoln, Nebraska, and we all are like, hey, what's going on? Talking, and, and it's like the second night of college, and, and we're driving, and there literally, it was a two-lane highway, and there's literally a time where our driver went out, and we were right at the time we are about to die. I mean, it is like <laughs> right there. And Matt and Pastor Clark and I are in the back. This is this is it. I mean, this is the end. And somehow, probably an angel of the Lord that we hear about today came and, and made sure that we were able to get in the right lane almost literally right at the last second that was almost the end of our time of preparing for ministry. So you remember this pastor Clark? Oh yeah. How could I, how can I not? Yeah. So <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, that was almost the end of our very brief college experience. We, we didn't even make it to the first day of school, but yeah, the, the funny oh. thing too is, you know, uh, Travis was driving the car, I think, in his powder blue Buick, if I remember right. Uh, he he is now, he and his wife are members of Ascension here in St. Louis. <laughs> so I am now his pastor, uh, which you know, <laughs> the Lord must have a sense of humor. Uh, and it's just oh. amazing to see how
0: people reconnect and uh, their lives kind of intertwine over the years. Absolutely. And so the other guy in the back is a pastor in Minnesota North, Andrew and, And uh, Mark uh, Dutzman is a a teacher, I believe, in Colorado. So it's really uh, just a really fun thing. But, boy, I remember that I was gripping something really (laughs) tightly. And we went and ate at Amigos after that. I remember, you know, if you remember that, but we are eating at Amigos. And I remember Mark and Andrew put their head on the table and they said, do you even realize what just happened? (laughs) So so the Lord was with us as he's with us today. So uh, Pastor, we're here back (laughs) on the farm. We're here to hear the word of God. So Pastor, can you begin our time in prayer? I'd be be, uh, happy to. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your hand of protection
1: on us uh, each and every day. Lord, you are a rock and fortress that ever-present help in times of trouble, even when it's unexpected troubles may be, uh, even on, on two-lane highways. Thank you for preserving us and keeping us in your care. Uh, let your holy angels uh, guard and defend all of your people. Uh, Lord, also on this uh, Memorial Day, we give you thanks for those men and women who serve in the armed forces of our land. We especially thank you for those who are willing to sacrifice their lives uh, on behalf of our nation and our freedoms that we enjoy uh, here in this land. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you would grant your comfort to their families and their survivors, that you would grant them peace, uh, hope of resurrection. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would uh, continue to uh, raise up individuals that are willing to, to serve uh, we ask that you would bless our time together in your word, uh, that we might correctly understand it, learn from it, apply it to our lives, uh, and be strengthened by it, all by the power of your Holy
0: Spirit. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Amen. So I think I want to start this way. We have ended First Kings, but really within the history of the church, in the old tradition, there really was not a First and Second Kings, it was just all one. And and this is something that I've been reading and I'm looking forward to tomorrow when I talk with uh, Dr. Meyer, or we study with Dr. Meyer to maybe maybe there's more information on this. But for today, I just wanna just assume that we're basically it's one book. And to start with, the main figure, one of the main figures in Second Kings to start with, is also mentioned in uh first Kings. So I want to do this, Pastor, and I wanna hear your um background information after I read verses fifty-one. So I'm Reminder to our listeners, go back to 1 Kings chapter 22, starting in verse 51, and then we will go through, almost like it's one book, um, to verse 2 of 2 Kings chapter 1. So just, once again, 1 Kings 22, we're going to read into 2 Kings chapter 1 through verse 2. So, and then I want to hear more of the background information that you have, because I know, I know one thing, too, going to college with Pastor Clark. He does his homework, you know, um, and so yeah, I, I, I trust that uh, he will have the answers, of course. So 51, let's continue. And reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Ahaziah, the king Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, And he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and the way of his mother and the way of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now, Ahaziah fell through the lattice in the upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. So he sent messengers telling them, go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this sickness. Now, pastor, as we're looking at this, it brings up just your thoughts on Ahab, Ahaziah. um, What does, you know, who are these guys and how would you describe them?
1: Yeah, you know, just first, thanks for doing that the way you did, Pastor Finnan, because really, you know, the original Hebrew, it is one book here, right? We don't have these kind of, these chapter divisions and book divisions exactly how we do today. So I, I, I like that continuity. And, you know, for our listeners who have been listening, you know, in previous episodes, you know that, that Ahab is a bad king. So he's like almost the... Um, the model of what a bad king is in Israel, Ahab, along with his wife Jezebel. So yeah, as the text says, boy, um, the worship of false gods and Baal in particular, uh, he married a uh, a woman who was uh, Phoenician. She wasn't An Israelite, she wasn't a follower of the Lord. Jezebel and her name, I think even today, is kind of synonymous with evil. You don't hear many people Mm -hmm. naming their little girls Jezebel. No. (laughs) It's not a common name. uh, Cain or... (laughs) Anyways. Yeah. So it's, you know, so this was... He's coming from, uh, yeah, a a father, a mother who uh, did not follow the Lord, did not do God's will. Um, And here, unfortunately, we see that Ahaziah just follows in their footsteps. Um, and I think that's, you know, so often the case, we see the way in which, especially in first and second Kings, the way in which the King goes, so does the people, you know, when the King is faithful and follow the Lord, you know, the people do too, it seems when they're unfaithful, you know, th- then they follow the bales and these false idols and maybe even more so when you're the King's son. So, hey, <laughs> eh, the King's son, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree and he too, uh, boy, uh, misleads the people and just uh, sins in his reign, following after other gods, uh, which is sad to see. I think the other thing that's kind of interesting too is is the 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 um, the length of his reign—only two years. So his reign is only two years long. But in those short two years, we see that it's a reign that's kind of marked just by uh, political problems and and even more personal problems too, as we're starting to get into here in in Second Kings. So uh, not off to a good start for Ahaziah as he serves as uh, king of Israel.
0: Yeah, he'd be a one-term congressman in America. I mean, that's kind of what he does. That is a good comparison. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so in verse 53, it talks about how uh, that he provoked the Lord Yahweh, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. And so that really is a good emphasis that it's not just that they kind of like, oh, I'm kind of like my dad or I'm not. It basically is he's bad in every single way that his father was as well, which is not not like you said, that's not good. Um, yeah. <laughs> We we hope our kids do better than us, right? I mean, that's what we hope for.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and boy, you know, and the, the God's word kind of warns us of that. I think of you know the book of Proverbs. How it says about training up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old they won't depart from it. You know, I think the the converse of that can be said too. You know, if you don't train up a child in the way they should go, um, you know, they're not going to know the right way to go. So right. certainly that's what happened in this case. Is you know, sadly, uh, a Isaiah. Uh, had an unfaithful father, and he follows in his footsteps. Um, and uh, boy, just the, the responsibility that we have as Christian parents to to set that example for our children, to teach them in the ways that they should go uh, so that they would walk in the ways of the Lord their whole life long. That's, that's my hope for my children, I know, and uh, to be able to one day see them in heaven, in the Lord's presence, all by God's grace.
0: That's a good reminder for our listeners is... We just we pray for our kids um, and pray for other people's kids. And we pray that that we would, one, instruct them in the name of the Lord and in the ways of the Lord, as Pastor Clark said so well. But secondly, that we continually lay them at the feet of Christ because, um, you know, it's a tough stage. I, you know, I also coach track up here and in, in you in, in the public high school. Just great kids. At the same time, you know the pressure they're under, the anxieties. We remember what it was like. You know, it wasn't just that when you show up to college, like Pastor Clark and I, that you're worried about the two-lane highway. <laughs> there was a lot more <laughs> emotions going on in our lives. And so we pray for them that the word of God may bear fruit and that uh, the, our, us as parents will continually guide them to all truth. Now, moving forward to Second Kings, now, so we have, you know, Ahaziah uh, is, uh, is, is raining and, and it's just kind of a, a unique situation. He fell through the lattice in his upper chamber. Now I think a lattice as like a, a design thing. My, my mother-in-law is an interior designer. So she will kind of just talk about that has a nice lattice there. What, the, what is he talking about falling through the lattice? Any thoughts? Okay, so it looks
1: like the windows in this upper chamber, probably some kind of sleeping chamber, were covered by a lattice work. So, you know, we kind of know what that looks like, that crisscross, um, some kind of wood, perhaps, uh, covering the windows. And it, it doesn't give us the details, what exactly took place, but it almost seems like it was a, an accident, somehow... <laughs> You know if he was asleep and rolled over the wrong direction or whatever happened, he fell through the lattice work of the second window. You know the, the upper the upper floor, whatever floor it was on, the upper chamber. Um, so most likely it was a sleeping chamber. Uh, you lose know, that upper chamber was a more private place. A cooler place, perhaps, uh, for the king. I remember uh, that account with Bathsheba. Remember, she was on the roof of her house because perhaps there's a little more privacy there for her to take a bath. Uh, So that's where the king is at, and he falls through the lattice. Again, not a whole lot of details, but some kind of injury. And so he's laying sick uh, in bed. So what happened to this poor guy? I mean, I think we can assume maybe some broken bones. Uh, he's, He's in rough shape. Uh, he sustained an injury, uh, so much so that as we read on, we see, you know, he can't do much about this. He has to look for some kind of help outside of himself uh, to recover from this.
0: And this, I mean, you can't help but hear this story and then think of uh, with Eutychus, right? I mean, he's he's sleeping through Paul's sermon. Um <laughs> And, and then he falls. Um, but there, you know, unfortunately, Ahaziah doesn't have a Paul come and resurrect him or uh, whatever it might be. It sounds like he's he's feeling every broken bone that he has. So would that be a similar uh, situation, you think? I mean, maybe we don't know, but similar?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that came that comes to my mind, too. You know, in, in Acts chapter 20, you have that account. Uh, Paul's preaching in Troas, and he's preaching on into the late evening hours. There's lanterns in the room, we're told. And one of these young men, a youth, you know, maybe he's in high school. Uh, he's sitting by the window, maybe to kind of cool off with the night air. And he falls asleep, and he falls out the window. You know, it's, it's really not funny, this poor kid. Yeah. Um, and so they go down, and the, the text is pretty clear. He's dead. And then the Lord works through Paul to bring him back to life, um, which is remarkable. And then the thing that always kind of tickles me is then Paul just keeps on preaching, it sounds like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't stop <laughs> Paul, you know, uh, he's only there for a limited amount of time. God's word is important, so he keeps on going. But I, I think there's, there's, so there's parallels, right, that um, Ahaziah is injured for you know, falling out this window or falling through the lattice work on his window, a Eutychus injured, even to the point of death. You know, the, the differences, of course, then Paul certainly a trust in the Lord for healing, for restoration, for Eutychus and uh, Ahaziah. Sadly, we don't see that. Uh, the Lord is not the one that he's going to be looking to for restoration. Sadly, he, he looks elsewhere. He doesn't look to
0: Yahweh, um, which is, which is unfortunate. and sad. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and so it doesn't say much about this in this chapter but it says Moab Moab rebelled against Israel. Any insights on that? Yeah, so uh, the people of Moab they they rebel against Israel. The, the Moabites is a little bit of
1: background um are descendants of Lot. Some of our listeners might remember that Lot and his daughter. So Lot Lot's and his daughter, kind of make a long story short. Um they they a child conceives, you know, by Lot. Um, and his, da- his daughter gives birth, and uh, the Moabites come from that relationship. Um, and so we have the Moabites at different times bringing tribute to Israel, like here. At other times, um, Israel is serving Moab. We think of the time of the judges, that, that guy Eglon, the king of Moab, the, the real fat guy that Ehud kills, Um But then I think it's interesting, too, Ruth is a Moabite, and God even works through Ruth, this Moabite, to to bring to do his will, too, and to bring Jesus into the world, which is remarkable. So um, at this point, though, Moab is the one who's paying tribute to uh, Israel, and it looks like Ahab dies, and once dad is gone, um, they don't continue to pay tribute to Ahaziah, to his son. Uh, so again, Ahaziah, we don't know much about this guy. This is basically the Ahaziah chapter of the Bible, (laughs) second Kings chapter one. And, but what we do know is a two year reign and a two year reign that was marked by political turmoil. And this is, this is the political end of it. Um, Moab refuses to pay that tribute. Um, so you, he's got problems, no doubt about it. Uh, and then the personal turmoil too. In that injury and falling through the lattice we don't know much about the guy beyond that really uh, beyond just this one chapter uh, it is kind of interesting you know later in second kings we do have kind of a list of what uh, moab gives in tribute to israel and it seems to be a pretty significant amount of, of lambs and rams uh, but at this point in ahaziah's reign uh, it seems as though they
0: rebel against israel uh, they refuse to pay that tribute well and it is helpful to, to see that, because we can kind of assume that everything surrounding Ahaziah is this, you know, uh, unicorns and rainbows or something, you know, like everything is just going well. His only problem is that he has a broken rib or something like yeah. that. Yeah. no the guy's going through a lot and, and he's not doing it faithfully and he's looking for answers in all the wrong places. So in verse two, um, let, me, let me take one step back. We just got done finishing the Psalms. Um, so we finished First Kings, and then we went to a few Psalms, two, three, and 149. And one thing that struck me about specifically the second and third Psalms was how David and the author—you don't know who wrote uh, Psalm two necessarily—it's um, kind of like they present the issue, and then they go right to the Lord, right? So this mm-hmm. is like they have the issue. Um, uh, David in, in Psalm three is, is dealing with his son, uh, wanting to, to get rid of him. And so he flees and he could easily just lament and, Come up with a battle plan but no he looks to the lord and he prays to him now we have ahaziah the king who also is going to be seen kind of as a you know a prophet and a priest and you see this in first and second kings and and here's the time he can sit there and he can pray to the lord yahweh you know even ahab has a moment of repentance and looking to the lord here's the chance broken rib, barely be able to to do all this. He, you know, Moab is right at his his, his doorstep and he could look to the Lord Yahweh who has who was there for his forefathers and mothers. And what does Ahaziah do? What does he do, Pastor? He doesn't do the right thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. So,
1: so yeah, he doesn't look to the Lord, but he looks to Beelzebub. So he looks to this false God, this false God of, And so he sends people, sends messengers to go and and find some relief to inquire of this false god, which is it's heartbreaking, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think when when things are bad, when someone's laying in the hospital, they they look for help. Uh, But where are they going to look for help? Uh, Where are they going to look? I. you know, I don't. I don't think you know this, Pastor Finner, and, Um Some of the folks that listen to Wrestling with the Basics might, but um, I I fell uh, not too long ago myself, about a year and a half ago. Um, I fell out of a tree, <laughs> so oh, <my. laughs> I fell out of a tree and, and broke um, three vertebrae in my back. So I kind of I can relate to Ahaziah here, um, but I I broke uh, T six and seven in my back and L two in my lower back, oh. and uh, boy, I was you know just incapacitated you know i had to just lay in a bed for about a week and uh, got fitted with a brace and uh, that made me a little more mobile but it is tough oh my goodness so i can sort of imagine what it's like for a here you're 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 helpless uh maybe you can't even get up on your own and you know you you realize then that you can't do this on your own that you can't recover on your own that you need help outside of yourself right and and like you said the hope is that the one we look to outside of ourselves is the lord god the one who made us and created us the one who can give healing and strength uh, but but sadly uh, Ahaziah does just the opposite, right? He looks to a false god. He looks to to a god in whom there is no help at all because they're, they're not even real. El Um, But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you see that as a pastor too. I know I do yeah. in the parishes. You know, sometimes people that um, you know they've they've strayed from the Lord a little bit, or maybe they haven't come to worship in a while, and and maybe there's like an illness. Uh, maybe they're ill. Maybe someone in their family is. And all of a sudden, there's kind of this reconnection to the church, a reconnection even just me as pastor, and they're they're looking for hope. They're looking f- for 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 answers. They're looking for strength. And I rejoice at those times when those trials uh, point them to the Lord or when we as pastors or just fellow Christians have the opportunity then in the midst of those tough times to point them to the Lord in, in whom there
0: is real restoration and hope and healing. As we look at this, uh, we are going to have to take our break. But I'm, I'm going to ask a little bit about how you're doing now. I mean, to hear this story, it's like, oh my goodness. But but also, we're looking at the word of the word of the Lord. But we have to take our break. We are studying First Second Kings chapter one with Pastor Matt Clark, and we'll be right back.
1: This is the voice of a mother in the faraway country of Georgia, reading to her six-month-old son about Jesus from a Bible storybook written in the Georgian language. The child's Bible was given to her by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, and the Holy Spirit is working powerfully through your support of LHF to make events like these happen every day. Help another family learn of the Savior. Learn how at lhfmissions.org.
0: And welcome back. We are studying second kings chapter one with Pastor Matt Clark. And as you said so so well that you can kind of relate um with Ahaziah as he's sitting there unable to do his own things on his own. he's He has to look for something outside himself because he clearly can't do it himself. Looking to the nurses, looking to the doctors, looking to family members, I'm guessing as well to move forward, but ultimately looking to the Lord. So let me ask this, Pastor Clark, how are you doing today after well, th- all of this happened?
1: <laughs> well, thanks. I appreciate that. You know, by God's grace, I'm, I'm doing great. You know, um, I didn't need any surgery on my back. Um, I wore a brace for, uh, eight weeks or 12 weeks. I forget. Uh, it was a long time. That's all I remember. Um, and it just, you know, God has made us just marvelously and, and wonderfully. And for those bones to heal themselves is just incredible. Uh, one of my vertebrae was crushed. So it was like, in pieces. Uh, yeah. And that's healed. And, you know, minimal pain. If I sit for a while, it starts to hurt. Um, or, um, you know, sometimes by the end of the day, you know, I'm ready to just kind of lay down and, and relax the back a little bit. But uh, overall, just so very thankful. Uh, but boy, it is, it is just a way of uh, reminding us uh, of the importance of trusting in the Lord. And boy, our strength isn't in and of ourselves. Uh, no, we need the Lord, His
0: His strength, uh, every passing hour uh, of our lives, no doubt about it. Well, thank you for sharing that. That does help us in our context today, um, to to at least, because as you said, pastors, there's sometimes these situations that lead people closer to the Lord. You know, Scripture always reminds us He brings us closer. But then for whatever reason, there are times that this brings a person farther from the Lord, not by God's choosing, but by that individual's choice. And so we hear of him not starting out on the right foot. However, we're going to keep moving forward as we see the Lord. And this is a good reminder that God loved Ahaziah. That the Lord did not just leave him and say, "Eh, you know what, broken back and all, you're gone, you're out, you know, Um, as he doesn't do for Pastor Clark either. But he looks at it, he doesn't leave him, but he continually goes back to give him, I guess you would say, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. So we're going to start in verse 3. We're going to continue through verse 8 as we see the Lord intervene. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise. Go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, says the Lord, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah went. The messengers returned to the king, and he and he said to them, Why have you returned? And they said to him, There came a man to meet us and said to us, go back to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord. Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Baal's above the God of Ekron? Therefore you shall not, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. He said to them, what kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? And they answered him, he wore a garment of hair, and a belt of leather about his waist and he said it is elijah the tishbite so this is kind of like a i don't know how to describe this but it is a unique back and forth so first of all the angel of the lord came to elijah um who is it who's the angel of the lord can you can you break that down for us a little bit yeah so the angel of the lord
1: uh, well, first of all, uh, Pastor Finner, I apologize if you can hear rain coming down on my end. Um, oh. I'm I'm recording at home, and boy, there's a rainstorm right now here in St. Louis. So I apologize oh. if that's being picked up on the air, but uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you can still make out what I'm saying. But. I think we're okay. Okay, well, good. Thank you. Um, yeah, the angel of the Lord. So uh, already in the uh, Old Testament— it looks as though the angel of the Lord is a special messenger from God. So that word angel means messenger, okay? Um, and, and the angel of the Lord in particular, we see different instances where it seems as though this is more than just an angel, more than just that regular messenger. But when it talks about the angel of the Lord, it, it's, it's even Jesus, okay, the Son of God. Uh, we say the pre-incarnate Christ. So before Jesus takes on our flesh, at in his conception by the Holy spirit in Mary's womb. Um, before that time, we remember Jesus still God, the son, uh, and still present in the old Testament. And one of the places where we kind of see glimpses of that is when the angel of the Lord is mentioned. Um, so it seems as though perhaps more than an angel here, uh, even, even God, the son speaking directly to, uh, to Elijah.
0: And that's one of the hard, I remember, uh, and the theology, actually Old Testament class at uh, Concordia, Nebraska. They were like, sure. this is the pre-incarnate Christ. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> 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 is that going to be in the test is basically what I thought in my mind. Is that going to be in the test? How, say yeah, that word yeah. again. I don't know that. But anyways, it does give us this unique perspective that yes, it's a messenger of the Lord. And he speaks with authority as if he is God. Of course he is. And we would theologically speak that he is the pre-incarnate Christ, which is a fascinating part, but also a reminder that, that God keeps coming. I mean, the word made flesh came to us to save us from our sins. And he comes even now, um, I guess I would say it to save people from themselves. (laughs) Yeah, we need to do this for you now. So any other thoughts on the angel of the Lord? Yeah, I would just uh, encourage
1: our listeners, look for that in the old Testament, see how that's a distinct messenger from God and again, I think just a reminder that Jesus is eternal. I think sometimes we think of, well, you know, God, the son just kind of comes about when um, when he's conceived in Mary's womb and then when he's born. But but no, uh, he's the word. Uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the word. And here we have Jesus, the word, the delivery, the word of the Lord, uh, as that described as the angel of the Lord. So, uh, yeah, look for that. The different places where the angel of the Lord has Speaks with that, like I like the phrase you use, authority, uh, mm-hmm. when he comes and speaks and
0: delivers that message to God's people in the Old Testament. Now he says this. He, he goes to Elijah, and Elijah is an important person, as we've been looking in Mount Carmel and and uh, and, and speaking about the drought, and and uh, we'll find more about him tomorrow, in Second Kings uh, chapter two. Um, but he comes to him. And it, he uses a little sarcasm here. You know, is there no God in Israel that you're going to go to Beelzebub, um, the God of Akron? And and what is what is God kind of doing? What is he doing here as he's speaking to the messengers of, of Ahaziah and so forth? Yeah. So is there no
1: God in Israel? Um, and of course, the answer is. Of course, there's a God in Israel. There's the only God, the one true God, Yahweh, um, the Lord. Uh, he's the only God. And so in a way, I think being a little sarcastic, maybe um, preaching a word of law here. Is there no God in Israel? Of course there is. And and that, I think, is in contrast to this uh, Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. And this is really, you know, kind of an isolated place where this name comes up in the Old Testament, at least. But Beelzebub seems to be sort of this, well, the name means Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Flies. So literally here in Ekron, perhaps this was a god that they trusted in to keep the flies and insects away from the crops to sort of preserve the harvest. It, it seems to be uh, the chief god of the city of Ekron, which was one of the main uh, Philistine cities. And for whatever reason... This was a God who was supposed to give healing, that had special healing power. So that's why Ahaziah is seeking him out. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, though, too, just kind of as an aside, uh, in the New Testament, Beelzebub comes up uh, different times. Again, Lord of the Flies, but almost, uh, I think, more of a mocking title in the New Testament. Um, you know, this idea that the name has become synonymous with, with Satan, with the devil, uh, not just some local deity in Ekron, but with Satan himself. Um, Lord of the Flies, and you know, flies gather around dung, they gather around excrement, so almost a mocking name for for Satan, for the devil. Uh, but there's a couple times, like in Mark chapter 3, where, um, you know, the name Beelzebub comes up, uh, and and there it comes up uh, with people kind of uh, accusing Jesus of... Uh, of being possessed by Beelzebub that Jesus is casting out demons by the prince of demons. And of course, Jesus replies and says, how can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom <laughs> divided against itself can't stand. And then uh, in Matthew 10, that name Beelzebub comes up again. Um, and he Jesus kind of comforts his disciples and warns his disciples that if they call him Beelzebub and follow a follower of Beelzebub, how much more will they malign and, and say the same of Jesus followers? think it's kind of interesting here so bells above kind of a local lord of the flies uh connected to ekron in the old testament but in the new testament using a broader way is really for satan himself for the devil himself
0: um and that name used in in criticism of jesus even yeah that's a that's a great great insight because i remember reading that and going how did this happen because you have the Baal prophets you know among carmel with with elijah obviously it fails. I mean, that's one of the hardest parts, I think, for someone like Ahaziah to go to these bail, Of course, like you said, mom and dad went to bail all the time. And so this is nothing new. This is kind of how I grew up. I mean, what do you mean? It's kind of like a Thanksgiving dinner. What do you mean he didn't have turkey for Thanksgiving? Like, well, I don't know. I don't know any better. That's all I have. So, um, but that's kind of what happened here. He goes to that same God that clearly is not going to solve his issues. And so he sends the you know, he, he he sends the messengers, and and the angel of the Lord comes and says, "Don't do this." And then they go back, um, talk to Ahaziah, and they say, um, "Yeah, this guy said this, this, and this." And he's like, "So, tell me about this guy. Uh, what does he look like?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he describes him as a guy with garment of hair, with a belt of leather about a belt of leather about his waist. And you think about those times when Ahab saw Elijah and goes, "Oh, there you are, you troubler." I know. It's yeah. real. Yeah. And, and now you can just imagine Ahaziah go, Elijah. He's back.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You oh, know, I good. wonder what his tone of voice sounded. You know, in there in uh, verse eight, it says, you know, oh, it, it is Elijah the Tishbite. You know, I wonder how I said that. <laughs> oh, Elijah the Tishbite. Here we go again. Because Elijah, yeah, you're right. He is uh, infamous, right? Among Ahaziah's own family, uh, especially uh, his parents. Uh, but then he's infamous really in all of Israel, right? And and that big account of that showdown on Mount Carmel between uh, just Elijah on his own and then all these hundreds of prophets of Baal too. Um, and uh, people would know Elijah and uh, he would speak the word of the Lord. And because of that, they, they hated the guy because mm-hmm. he didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Their itching ears maybe wanted to hear. Instead, Elijah uh, as a prophet did the job that a prophet does and just speaks what God gives him to speak. And he's certainly doing that here. I mean, he's saying that the king himself is not going to recover. He's going to die. And I mean, to say that, you got to be pretty brave. You know, the Lord has to really be giving you the strength to say that because this is the king after all. He could put Elijah to death. And yet he still speaks the word of the Lord. He speaks that word of truth and a word of, of law and warning As Ahaziah breaks the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Uh, He doesn't fear love and trust in God above all things. He's fearing and loving Beelzebub instead. And Elijah uh, boldly still speaks the truth of God's word.
0: Now, what's interesting is the connections you have. Um, simply in what he's wearing, because you do, when you think of Elijah, you think of somebody else in the scriptures. So how it describes Elijah, not only in in, in uh, what he does, but also his uh, apparel, I guess you would call it. Who, who does he connect us to?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's interesting. So they, they answer him, he wore a garment of hair with a leather belt around his waist. And, you know, I think on the one hand, that's kind of almost like Prophet attire, all right. This is like standard issue prophet wear. Um, in Zechariah thirteen, for instance, there's this this verse that talks about um, a, a prophet uh, will not put on a hairy cloak in order to deceive. In other words, um, typically a prophet would be wearing a hairy cloak. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know the one that my mind goes to first is, of course, John the Baptist, because John the Baptist in the New Testament is described in in these very same terms, right? The uh, garment of hair, the leather belt around his waist, and then we hear about, you know, John's diet to the locusts and wild honey. But I think there's some parallels here between Elijah and John the Baptist. Um, Mm -hmm. In in Malachi 4, it talks about uh, Elijah the prophet uh, appearing before that great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So Elijah kind of being a forerunner to Um, the day of the Lord, and certainly to to Jesus coming. And we see that even more with John, right? He's kind of that new Elijah, who is that forerunner of Jesus and and announces that, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then I think we see it in other places too, other similar, Um, both Elijah and John have that message of repentance. Um, Both Elijah and John talked to kings and even shared God's word of judgment upon kings. Um, and both Elijah and John were really called to do a tough job to proclaim an unpopular message, um, to these leaders in Israel. Um, we think of Ahaziah here, we think of Ahab, but we also think of, of Herod in, in John's case. And, you know, I think sometimes us as pastors too, uh, Pastor Finnern, we're, we're called to do the same, you know, to yeah. preach that word of law that may not be that popular to our listeners, uh, but yet we do it out of love. Um, you know, that, that that people might come to repentance and in faith receive forgiveness.
0: And that's where maybe sometimes people look at us and they say, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you, you troubler, troubler of, of ascension. ascension or you know, whatever the <laughs> congregation is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So as as we look at this, now the story really gets interesting. I mean, it's interesting to this point, but we've laid the groundwork, I think, very well that the, the the ground has been set, the the battleground has said, okay, you should not do this. Don't go to Beelzebub um, and find out um, from him. You should be finding out from the Lord. But we know right now that the message is not good from the Lord. Basically, you're in bed with a broken back, and you're not going to come out of it. So huh. you can just imagine that moment. This is from Elijah. What's going to happen now? And and we know it probably doesn't end well for Ahaziah. Ah, Ahaziah, excuse me. I I keep trying to say that word. It doesn't always come out right. So now we find out the rest of the story. So let's break this down kind of piece by piece. I'm going to read verses 9 through 10. 9 through 10. Okay. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 men with his 50. He went up to Elijah, who was sitting on top of a hill, and said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered, the captain of answered the captain of the fifty. If I'm a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. And then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. It's kind of just a crazy story. So Elijah's sitting on his hill, who knows where or what this is. And, and the captain says, um, hey, man of God, maybe mocking in a certain sense. I'm not quite sure. Maybe you have some more to say about that, pastor, and says, come on down. The, 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 the king wants you down here. So tell us more about this story. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think we need to teach this one in Sunday school more. <laughs>
1: this, is, this whole account from this chapter, it's—I don't think people are familiar with it, but it's—it's it's just it, you, you see, you can learn a lot from it. I think, and it's just exciting, um, but and almost comical. But right. um, yeah, I, I think so. You know, oh man of God, um, the King says, "Come down." Maybe it was mockingly, but at, at you know, at the very least, it is. Acting as though the one in charge of everything here is the king, right? That Ahaziah is the one calling the shots, and Elijah knows better. The one who's always in charge, whether the king is Ahab or Ahaziah, doesn't matter. The king of kings is is the Lord God, and Elijah has that confidence, and and would that we have that confidence too, right? Um, so then, yeah, you see that this, he says, uh, if if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven uh, and consume them. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, in a similar way, that fire came from heaven to consume that altar uh, on Mount Carmel with right. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So also now fire comes down and consumes, consumes these people, these 50 individuals. Uh, so we see that different places. We see a fire coming down. And sometimes that is God's judgment, whether it's here or Mount Carmel or Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, you know, the book of Hebrews even refers to God as a consuming fire himself. Uh, so yeah, here it is one against 50, but if uh, God is on your side, um, guess who's going to win the battle, win the day. It's the one, uh, who, uh, trusts in the Lord. And we see that here with, with Elijah,
0: certainly. So that's round one, um, yeah. round yeah. one of this story. And and really, there there isn't much significance uh, to other things. Why is he on a hill? I don't know how many, how many people are there. Um, you know, there, there's a lot. It's one against 50. And he basically is like, well, if it's going to be true, it's going to be true. Boom. Now we get to 11 and 12. Again, the king sent to him another captain, which, by the way, if I'm that captain, I'm like, wait, what? What am I doing here? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fifty men with his fifty. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, this is the king's order. Come down quickly. But Elijah answered him, them, if I'm a man of God, let the fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Yeah. So and yeah, I think it's kind of interesting. He just not just
1: come down, but now it's come down quickly. You yeah, know, right, it's kind right. of even a more intense command. Um, and and
0: again, yeah, same result. And it's 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 funny too. He says the king says come down. Yeah. And then later on, like you said, now it's not only come quickly, but it's this is the king's order. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, the problem of the fire from heaven was not <laughs> that uh, that it was maybe the wrong. Uh, just the wrong idea completely. No, as you said, you didn't say it right. Now let's try this again. You mm-hmm. know, come <laughs> <Jump> down quickly. <laughs> this is the king's order that will solve the problem. More power or more authority you want to try to have. And this exact same result. So uh, once again, Oh man of God, kind of a mocking of, well, okay, if you are the man of God, then then come down and submit to the king. It's kind of the irony of irony. So he fights back and says, well, um, if I'm a man of God, this is what's going to happen. Boom! It happens again. It, yeah. How does this? I mean, what what does this mean for us today? And, and how would you describe that? Oh boy, I think um, you know.
1: Again, you know, from I, I guess one lesson to be learned, at least that I take away, is this that, that idea of if God is for us, who can be against us? You know, Paul's words in, in Romans eight. Um, when things seem insurmountable, right? And when it's kind of hard to follow the Lord and do His will, uh, just that reminder that, again, if God is for us, who can be against us? And we see Elijah here against what seems to be insurmountable odds, and yet the Lord the Lord fights for him. And I think we can take comfort in that too. Uh, and, and ultimately in Christ, right? That the, the biggest battle's already been won. Uh, the one against not 50 guys from King Ahaziah, but the one against sin and death and the devil, uh, that already that battle's been fought and won uh, through, not fire, but through uh, through blood and the cross. And to have that confidence, come what may in our lives.
0: And that's why when we get to the third captain, there's a little bit of a, there's a, there's a change here. He's not the same as the first two captains, Um, But it does have a lot to tell us, once again, that um, even though the approach is different, there's still issues still at hand. So let's read verses 13 through 16, and then we will get to the end here. We have about seven minutes left as we go through this, so we'll probably hurry a little bit. Sounds good. Again, the king sent the captain of a third fifty with his fifty. And the captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him. O man of God, please let my life and the life of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the, other, the two former captains of fifty men with their fifties. But now let my life be precious in your sight. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king and said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, it, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So the third captain has a different approach. Uh, and what is the result? Well, it's a better approach, right? So
1: that, that we saw one and two, you know, two different approaches Similar, though, to each other. And then this one, uh, the approach is one that comes in in humility, Uh, not with this power from the king but recognizing the authority of the Lord, uh, the authority of Elijah as a prophet of the Lord. So yeah, he really just in his demeanor falls on his knees before Elijah. And then of course, in his words, he entreats him. uh, He calls him a man of God here too. I think that's interesting. All three call him Mm -hmm. a man of God, but this time certainly not mockingly, but oh man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants be precious in your sight. And uh, that's exactly what happens. Uh, So fire doesn't come down, doesn't consume them. But I I think, too, you know, it's not that the other lives weren't precious in God's sight. You know, far from it. You know, even Ahaziah's life is precious in God's sight. And the reason why Elijah's preaching this word of law and discipline for uh, Ahaziah is, is ultimately to turn him to repentance, right, so that he might turn to the Lord, uh, so that he might be forgiven, and that he might be shown mercy. So in this whole thing, you know, just to keep in mind, yeah, all these lives are precious in God's eyes, uh, and that's why, that's why He's sharing this word through Elijah the prophet.
0: And what I find interesting is, isn't that the message changed to Ahaziah? You know, it's not like the the captain came and. He repented, and therefore the Lord went to Ahaziah and said, "Oh, by the way, you're going to live now." Mm-hmm. No, the message was still the same, but yeah. the captain and his people came in faith towards Elijah, and that's just a reminder for us too of, of what's the difference of of like you said, their their lives are precious, the different, the precious in, in the Lord's sight, because God loved Ahaziah, He loved the captains, He loved the men that were with him. The difference was of faith. He came to the Lord in faith. And this is where the angel of the Lord intervenes, right? This is what God does. He keeps intervening. But the message is the same. And what's the message for uh from Elijah to Ahaziah? What is that message?
1: Yeah, so the message is uh, I love that he just says to him, Thus says the Lord, right? Because you have uh sent messengers to of Belzebub, the god of Ekron. Uh, it is, uh, is there because there's no God in Israel to inquire of his word? So kind of that same question that he said before, therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall die. Um, boy, can you imagine trying to speak that word to the king? I mean, you, oh. you know, going before we can picture the president or you know, the queen of England or whatever, and to speak that word and says, thus says the Lord, you've been unfaithful, you're going to die. I mean, boy, that, that is not an easy job. Uh, to speak that word from the Lord. But Elijah does so in the confidence of that promise from the angel of the Lord. Uh, Go down, do not be afraid of him. Do not be afraid. And it kind of just echoes all those other times in Scripture where you have those messages, you know, don't be afraid. You know, Isaiah 41, I love how it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. Uh, And certainly that same message, same promise for Elijah here. And it's the same promise for us, too. Uh, that we need not be afraid; that the Lord is with us. Uh, don't be afraid uh, to stay, uh, stay faithful, right? Uh, to to bide in God's word in our lives too. Uh, and just as the Lord was with Elijah, He's going to be with us.
0: Well, and, and that was that was proof in the pudding. You had you had Elijah was able to to withstand that at Mount Carmel um and as we as i mentioned before last week we studied psalm three where where uh, even uh, david says there were even though thousands are against me i shall not be afraid and and it like you said so well it tells us all the lord is my light my salvation whom shall i fear it's a continual pro, continual proclamation the angels say it to to, to the to the shepherd uh, shepherds and they, they keep saying it, do not be afraid why because the lord is our salvation as opposed to ourselves so pastor we have about 2 minutes here i'm going to read the rest and i want you to wrap things up for us sure. about this very important chapter in holy scripture so 17th and 18th so he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because Ahaziah had no son. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaziah that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So what the Lord said happened. Um, yeah. And so as we look at this, as we look at this chapter, it is is one of those, like you said, we don't quite hear this in Sunday school, but I think it has big implications. Tell us, how how would you summarize this chapter for us today? Oh, uh, yeah. Like you said, what the Lord
1: says happens and, and certainly here at this word of law and discipline, it happens. But I think for us to be comforted to know that it happens in that word of, of grace and gospel, too, that if the Lord says, you know, whoever believes in Jesus is saved, it happens. So if the Lord says, this is my body, my blood given and shed for your forgiveness and Holy Communion, it happens. Uh, if our, if the Lord says his name is placed in us in baptism because we become his own, it happens. So we have all those promises. And I think the other thing too is to learn from this is the importance of that trust then in the Lord, because his promises are sure, they are certain. Um, and to keep that 10 commandment, uh, the first commandment rather, unlike Ahaziah did, you know, to to have no other gods before him, to trust and love and fear God above all things. Uh, yeah. And then too, I think uh, just that that assurance, like we've, we've mentioned, um, in Christ, in faith, we need not fear uh, enemies. Uh, we do not need not fear those who oppose God's word, but but trust that, yeah, uh, the Lord is with us. Um, and just to hold on to the word of the angel of the Lord when, that, that angel says, and, and Jesus himself there says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. That word of, of fear not that echoes down through the centuries and for us today too.
0: Pastor Matt Clark of Ascension Lutheran Church in St. Louis, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Second Kings chapter 1. Pastor Clark, thank you for being our guest. Thanks for having me, Pastor Fendon. Great to be here with you. Saints of our Lord Ahaziah seek the advice of Beelzebub, and he had to suffer the consequences. Our sins have consequences, which we do not d- dismiss. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But we bring those sins of idolatry and others to the Lord and realize that our salvation has been won. Pastor Clark made that so clear today, and he gives us instructions on how we are to follow him and look to him for all things. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.